I said, uh, hey, you know, I think I'm going to be on Harry with Podcast Junkie, his show. And she was like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, to her, it was like I was meeting, you know, you know, Brad Pitt or something like that, you know, and you are, you're the Brad Pitt of, uh, of podcasting here. You know, you're a handsome guy. Podcast Junkies, episode 193. Welcome back. I'm your host, Harry Duran. That voice you just heard is the voice of John M. He's the host of Sober Speak, saying some nice things about me on the show, and uh, you'll you'll understand why that's the opening snippet when you hear the interview uh, that's coming up in a few minutes. This is the show where we search out interesting voices in podcasting, and sometimes you never know where that road is going to lead, and how that's going to happen, and how paths are going to cross, but I'm glad... I got to speak to John M. And if you're wondering why I continuously only mention his initial and not his last name, then that's going to be uh, more clear to you after this interview as well. So we talk about what inspired him to start the podcast and how it's grown and how he actually perfected the format and the importance of not forgetting about the listener. We learn about uh, the recovery style format and how John has actually grown as an interviewer and how his message having experienced what he did through Alcoholics Anonymous affected um, how he went after his guests. And he's got nothing but great things to say about the organization. He's actually been sober, I think it's about 30 years, 30 plus years. We talk about uh, why he believes that Alcoholics Anonymous has withstood the test of time. We talk about the 12 traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous. And we talk a little bit about what legacy actually means to John now that he's got a new lease on life. So it's been... uh, Really nice to have this conversation with him. I, I really hope you enjoy it as much as I did to learn a lot about uh, things that I didn't know about the organization. And it's just really interesting because it's this topic of finding people's voices and allowing them to tell their story, which I harp about all the time on this show. So I'm glad this is just another example of that. In case you missed last week, I had a conversation with Lori Tharps. Lori is someone who actually met me at Podcast Movement and was so inspired to become a guest on the show that she actually went about and started her show and had me in the back of her mind when she finally had it up and running and then reached back out. And of course, I was excited to tell her story. So she she actually um, gave me a shout out on the podcast movement community. So thanks for that, Lori. This episode is also brought to you by Focusrite. Focusrite, specifically the Scarlett 2i2, is my go-to piece of gear. It's something that I uh, actually travel with now all the time. I love the portability of it. I love the clean sound. I like having the flexibility of having the mic here and uh, the monitoring that I can do and having the controls at hand, which is very handy when you have a guest that may be lower or, or higher than you. And I'm a big proponent of monitoring your own sound when you're recording. So for now, let's uh, jump into this conversation with John. So John M., host of Sober Speak, thank you for joining us on Podcast Junkies. It is an honor and a privilege to be with you, Mr. Harry. <laughs> so, John, for the, the benefit of listeners, I, I love to tell the origin stories. And it, it, they're so varied nowadays because I meet so many podcasters in so many different forums, even online now sometimes. So if you could uh, refresh uh, my memory um, of how I know we've, we've tried to get this scheduled a couple of times, but how we got to chat and 
Yeah. So we were chatting on Facebook one night and I was, I was actually telling you about some sort of challenges I was having. I can't even remember what they were. And, uh, I think you asked me what my podcast was and I sent you over a link to it. And if I remember right, you said, Oh, I've got a buddy of mine in Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. Uh, and so then we kind of kept chatting after that and you said, Hey, could you be a guest on my podcast at some point? And I was all over it. And I said, yes, I would love to. And I'm, I'm really am. And when I say it's an honor and a privilege, it's not just uh, words, so to speak. I, I really do mean it. Because I'm a Podcast Junkies fan. Yeah. Uh, I first started podcasting. Uh, my, my first one was like uh, January of last year, 2017. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just started to tr- try to learn about it best I could. And I came across your podcast and I go, well, what better to listen to than a podcast about podcasters? And so I started listening in and one of the first episodes I listened to, I remember you were doing like a, a an anniversary show of some sort. And you were outside uh, sitting under a tree and I could hear you would say, oh, you hear those people walking by. And then somehow, somehow magically, you were playing snippets from these various podcasts at the same time. And I thought, this guy is a genius. How is he doing (laughs) this? And, you know, I just, it it all just blew my mind. And and so I started listening after that. And, and I remember one of the other episodes I listened to, uh, was, uh, that guy who sang that Ricky Martin song on American. William hung. Yes. Yes. William hung. I remember listening in on that and I was fascinated by that. Uh, and then I remember you followed up the next week saying, listen, I don't want to take credit for this, but him and Ricky Martin had not been together for a long time. So you did your podcast and then he ended up getting invited by Ricky Martin to come on stage or something that like crazy. that. Yeah. yeah. And you were actually the first guy that I ever heard talk of the uh, ATR 2100. Mm-hmm. You said in one of your podcasts, you go, and as all you know, an ATR 2100 is the first mic that everybody ever gets. And I'm going, what is that? And I'm writing it. I was walking around outside listening to a podcast and I had to stop and write it down on my phone electronically. And so I got home and I looked it all up. So anyway, it was just all brand new to me. And now I know enough to be dangerous, so to speak. <laughs> well, I, I truly appreciate it. And I think you haven't been through this journey and I think you started started yours, uh, was it December 2017? That's correct. Or, or what? No, it was uh, uh, actually January of 2017. January 2017, yeah. And, uh, you know, what's fascinating about this industry is like when I got started, I was a complete newbie as well. And I didn't know a lot of people in, in the space. And and I and imagine me starting a podcast about podcasting, knowing that the fo- folks like uh, you know Dave Jackson of School of Podcasting, Ray Ortega, Podcasters Roundtable, Daniel J. Lewis, Audacity to Podcast, had all been doing this for a while. You know, Elsie Escobar, um, Rob Walsh, all these veterans who I was just beginning to discover, and thankfully they've all been on the show, and I now consider them my friends. But it was just like, well, you know, who am I to have just another show about podcasting? But it was just a really scratch my own itch uh, moment. And I, I felt it was a good way. And one of the, the main things I did was use video to, to start because I could develop that face-to-face connection. And it just became a, just a jumping off point for me to make friends in the industry. Um, and then when I would go to conferences, I would see them. And after having a conversation face-to-face with someone, 
naturally when you see someone in the hallway, they're like, hey, Harry, how are you? And multiply that times going on what's going to be 200 episodes pretty soon. Um, and, and it's just a, a great opportunity. And it's been a, a, just a magical ride the whole time around. And and now I'm, I'm, always, I'm really appreciative, especially when I go to conferences and I wear the Podcast Junkie shirt. If someone says, oh, I listened to the show or someone's walking by, I mean, I, I stop, I turn around, I'm like, how long have you been listening? I, you know, I see the download numbers, but I, I still feel like I want to connect. If I could connect with every single one of those people one-to-one, and, and if you could give me a way to do that and, it, and tell me how long it would take, I would do it. <laughs> if it meant like a forest Gump trip around the country, just the meeting and shaking every single listener. I mean, I, I truly, truly respect and honor people's time and, and the fact that people listen and, and take time out of their day with the new number being 700,000 podcasts in, in iTunes now. It's just crazy. There's so much noise out there. And, and so I value it and, and I value your feedback um, and, and the fact that you chose to spend those precious hours listening to some of those, some of those episodes. Well, you helped to give me the bug <laughs> to get me started, to get me jump started. And I, I mean, I really am appreciative. In fact, I told my wife, I said, uh, hey, you know, I think I'm going to be on Harry with Podcast Junkie, his show. And she was like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, to her, it was like I was meeting, you know, uh, you know, Brad Pitt or something like that, you know, and you are, you're the Brad Pitt of, uh, of podcasting here. You know, you're a handsome guy. <laughs> Well, I, I think you just picked out what was going to be what's going to be the the, the 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 sample audio snippet of the <laughs> right. You know what? Speaking of audio snippets, uh, I you were the one where I picked it up because on my podcast I put a little audio snippet of the guest, right? You know, like a little twenty thirty second yep. audio snip at the very beginning of it. Yeah. And uh, guess where I got that from? Listening to your podcast. Yeah, I noticed that on your latest one. And what I love about that approach is we we take a lot of cues from radio and from TV. And it's no different than, you know, the the little sneak peek of the trailer of what's to come in the episode. And it gives, um, I have a, a marketing coach and we use the term open loops and callbacks. So the callback is really like, in case you missed last week's episode, you know, this is what we talked about. So I, I talked that, you know, when I introduce episodes, I, I do that a lot now. So I say in last episode, we spoke to, you know, my friend Rich Jones of Paychecks and Balances. And, and you know, you never know where people are going to jump in to sample your content and use that opportunity to say, hey, this is what we had in the past. And then the open loop is at the end, you're like, stay tuned next week, we're going to have a conversation with Elon Musk or something, you know, you tease that out. So that's a nice way to tease out the content um, for previous and past episodes. So you can sort of like talk about three different episodes in one episode. Nice. And then the the snippet is great, because it's that tease into the content. So um, I, what I love what you what you've what you've done is you've actually personalized it a little bit. Uh, as if you're listening to the snippet with the listener at the same time. So let's say the person's name was, I forget which, I think it was Ken in your last one, but you're like, the, the, vo- the voice you just heard was Ken. So it's it's nice. I like that. And I may actually now switch it back and, and now use that from you <laughs> because <laughs> I, I, I have the snippet, but I don't actually reference the snippet when I start my episode because because of editing, sometimes I, I forget the fact that that's there. And I think about the intro as just being me starting. But it, I may act, if you hear me now in the next one say, that voice you just heard was John, <laughs> you'll know where <laughs> I got the idea from. So it's, it's a nice way to kind of keep threading everything together. Um, so I, I like that. 
And then the snippet comes in handy if you started using audiograms um, because you can. It's it's a great duration. You know, fifteen to thirty seconds is perfect. So I use a tool called Headliner. Headliner app. Wave Audio is a new tool as well, and you can marry that thirty seconds of audio to an animated waveform and a graphic, and then it gives you a movie that you can then use in social media like Twitter and Facebook, which allow you to upload movies that are under a minute or under ninety seconds. That's the best thing about this uh, being on this podcast. I can take notes about how I'm yeah. going to improve my <laughs> podcast while we're actually talking. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't have to worry about like making noises about writing writing things down or or, or typing. I love including all these weird uh, things that happen during a podcast. I had a couple of episodes ago, Brian McCullough, the host of Tech Re- Tech Meme Ride Home, and I I could for the life of me couldn't get the name of his show out, and it took like two or three takes. And then we were laughing so hard. Um, and he's like, you, you know, you need to leave that in right now. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna, just going to leave it in. So <laughs> if you listen to that episode, it was me like stammering to three takes, which normally a podcaster would be like self-conscious about and they'd be embarrassed about leaving that in. But the beauty of it is I had a, another, sh- um, who was it? My friend, Laura, she had a, our dog jump into her lap. She's like, oh man, I'm so sorry. She's like, I was hoping like I could keep him in my, or jump down. And she's like, I, would, I was hoping he would stay in my lap during the whole episode. I'm like, well, now we need to know the dog's name. Now we need to know, like shout him out. And the dog became the hashtag. And so, <laughs> because it's podcasters talking to other podcasters about podcasting. So the more real life stuff that happens, it, it just adds more to the show. That's right. And so I'm wondering, um, as you start, as you were getting started, um, you mentioned obviously this show, which I appreciate. But wh- where did the idea for you to to start a podcast? Uh, do you remember where you were when that? Yeah, I remember was- exactly where I was. Yeah. Uh, so me, and by the way, I said that uh, the the podcast started in January of 2017. It was, it was actually January of 2018. So I've been about a a year and four months now. I've got 70, 70 plus episodes or so right in that area. Congratulations. So I've been pretty consistent. Well, thank you. I've been pretty consistent about cranking them out at least one a week, sometimes more. Uh, I, I didn't plan to do that at all. I thought I was going to do once a month at, at most, but I just got rolling with it. But to answer your question, uh, me and my wife, my beautiful bride, we were at a, uh, a, a Christmas party or a holiday party uh, back in December of 2017. And uh, it was a it was a party for uh, a recovery party, right? It was Alcoholics Anonymous and, and our our local group here in Frisco, Texas. We had gathered up, and uh, there was a gentleman there. His name is Alex, uh, Alex Z. And Alex is one of these guys. He'd been coming to our meetings now for uh, it'd probably been like two, two and a half years, something like that. And he's one of these guys. He was a very uh, I guess shy, uh, not very outspoken at all. Uh, whenever he would get called on in a meeting to share at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, he would just say a couple of words or he would pass. And uh, so I kind of cornered Alex, if you will, for lack of a better phrase, uh, at a at that party. And I started talking to him and my wife was there with me and we started talking to him together. And Alex is, uh, he was born uh, Muslim. Uh, he came from Iran. Uh, he kind of speaks, uh, he speaks real good English, but you could definitely tell he has an accent. Uh, and, uh, so we started talking and, uh, I asked Alex, you know, a little bit about his story and he started telling me all this stuff about how he had been in 
Iran during the hostage crisis back in the 70s, and his father had somehow uh, bribed the government or he set up some ruse and it cost them a lot of money to get their family out of Iran. And they, the, the people in Iran thought he was going to come back, but they never did. And anyway, they got to Germany. And after they got to Germany, then they moved to LA and he would read what they call the Persian version of the big book, which is Alcoholics Anonymous text. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then he got from, from LA to Dallas. And, and so we were, we were going through his story and, and me and my wife were on the way home and we said, that should be a movie. Uh, I can't believe Alex never really talks in meetings. And so I started thinking to myself, how do I get somebody like Alex, a story of recovery and a really, convoluted and, and, and full of rich content type of story. How do I get him out to the public? And then all of a sudden, like a couple nights later, the word podcast just started going through my head and I go, podcast? I know nothing about podcasts. I mean, I, you know, I had listened to a couple here and there, but mm-hmm. I didn't really know much about pocket. And then I thought, no, this can't be right. And I started talking to my wife about it. I said, sweetie, if I wanted to get Alex's story out there, would you be able to just set up like a website if I figure out some of the other pieces to this? And I went down to Best Buy and I brought myself a Blue Yeti mic and uh, I set it up in front of me one day and brought Alex in there and recorded him. And, you know, I got it out there and a few of my buddies were listening in. And all of a sudden I noticed that not only were my buddies listening in, some other people were listening in. And so it just, it kind of mushroomed from there. That's amazing. Uh, What's interesting is that the impetus was the fact that it was the your need or, or or your desire to tell his story or to have more people hear his story, and and you've used the the fact that that folks are in the 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 twelve step program as as a background, but not it's not necessarily really about the program itself. It's about the stories of the people who are in those programs, and it sort of each person that you bring onto the show adds a bit more sort of context and layers. And, and I think at the end of the day, I tell this to people all the time. If you go to a room full of like a hundred people, if you ask them the right questions, every single one of those people are going to have a story to tell. And I'm wondering if it, you, you found that to be true or, or as you were thinking about starting the show, like, so you, you knew who you, who that first conversation was going to be with. Were, were you wondering after that, like where, where you were going to take it? Yeah, then, well, definitely. I de- I definitely did not picture seventy five people in a row. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, uh, I I knew that there were some people that that were in my group that I would like to uh, interview and get their stories out there. Uh, but it really uh, it, it mushroomed. It blossomed. Uh, it started. Not only do we have now. Uh, just the podcast, it has turned into literally a community. We have a secret Facebook group, by the way, if anybody wants to get in that secret Facebook group, they just send me their email to john at soberspeak.com. But it, we have the secret Facebook group. We have the, uh, uh, the, uh, the Instagram community. Uh, we, there's a lot of emails that I get. I'm able to read a lot of the listener feedback on the program itself. And so it turned into a community and I never, ever expected that to happen whatsoever. But you're right. I knew that when you talk to people, 
there are people out there, anybody, right? You talk to, they're going to have a background and they're going to have a story. Uh, and I just wanted to, to be kind of more real with the Alcoholics Anonymous stories saying, you know, hey, it's not always pretty. And this is mm-hmm. where I was. And let me be vulnerable about that. And let me tell you what happened. And let me tell you what happened after I worked the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, uh, and not only we, we not only address uh, in the on the podcast, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, we've also talked about the Al-Anon program and Overeaters Anonymous and some other uh, anonymous programs, but it's basically, it's about the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. So when you started, as you started the show, were you, did you have a format in mind? Did you have other shows that you were, were fans of and you wanted to model or did you, were you thinking it was going to be more free flowing? I think I was thinking it was going to be more free flowing. So I would do, so what I started doing immediately is I started trying to find a podcast that, um, that would suit my needs, something that I was looking for, something that was, um, uh, more like stories, if you will. And I couldn't find, I, I, there's a lot of good podcasts out there, but it wasn't exactly what I was looking for. And so I knew that when I brought somebody in, like, much like Alex, I wanted people to come in and be able to tell their story and have a forum to do that. In Alcoholics Anonymous, we have what we call, uh, some people call them speaker meetings, some people call them open meetings. And so I knew I wanted to keep, I wanted to have something like that in an interview style. Now there's plenty of speaker tapes, so to speak, that you can find out on the internet. You can find all kinds of people getting behind the podium and telling their story. But I knew that for me, I like, I would like to sit down with them one-on-one. Uh, but because here's what happens. I hear people telling their story from the podium a lot. And many times I want to, I want to stop them and say, Whoa, I got a couple mm. questions about that. <laughs> Can <laughs> yeah. we go a little deeper on that particular uh, comment right there? And so obviously you can't do that. So in this particular format, I'm able to just stop and say, Whoa, whoa l- let's dive a little bit deeper there. What's important about what you just said there is something that's so critical for everyone who is a podcast host to never forget, and I mentioned this so many times, that the third person in the room is the listener. And so that feeling that you have, like when you're watching people on the podium and you're saying, oh, can you dig deeper? A lot of new podcast hosts, when when they start a show, they're so nervous about this ability of having a conversation, you know, this this need to have a conversation continue to flow with a guest that they have their pre-filled questions or their preset questions and that they're going to ask a guest. And we know those shows and we've heard them because they sound pretty formulaic and very few people have been able to pull off a successful show, long running show um, with, with the, with the questions. I think maybe I can only think of maybe John Lee Dumas (laughs) who's been able to do with entrepreneur on fire, same questions for thousands of episodes now, but it's worked for him. But for most people, if you get people just answering the same things, um, you're missing a lot of opportunities because naturally if you're not listening for the response of your guest. You're actually just waiting for the space for you to ask your next question. And is, is that the experience you've had? Yeah. And you know, there's a real fine balance in that. What I've figured out, I think I asked way too many questions and interrupted way too much on the, my first, uh, I don't know, 15 or so interviews. Uh, and I've learned to kind of back off and let 
the silence do the work uh, and to intently listen to what they are saying. Uh, yet, uh, there are times that I want to interrupt and, like I said, uh, uh, ask some uh, additional questions and dive a little bit deeper. But yeah, there's there's a fine balance in all of that. And, and you know, I'm not a, you know, I'm I've got a real job, so to speak. I mean, I, I I'm in sales, and uh, I, I'm not an interviewer by any means. It was just something that I thought I, I just felt called to, and I thought I'm going to learn this as I go along. and And I try different things. I'll listen to people like you. I'll listen to other podcasters, and I'll hear what you guys do with guests. And I think I'm going to try that, or I'll try that question, and I'll put it in a recovery style format, if you will. Can you talk a little about that? The, what, what you mean when you say recovery style format? Because I don't know if folks would be familiar with that. Right. Well, so when I say recovery style format, all I mean is uh, if somebody on another podcast say, you know, well, when did you first discover that you were uh, attracted to art or something like that. You know, like that was your passion. Well, mm -hmm. in my, in my, uh, on my show, it'd be something like, you know, well, when did you first figure out that you had a problem with alcohol? Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting distinction there. Did you notice, and you said you had that you would interrupt guests. And, and so I'm wondering if you've noticed anything about yourself as, as you've you know, gotten to these 70 plus episodes, how you've changed and how you've grown as an interviewer. Yeah, well, okay, so I've been sober by the grace of God uh, since May 29th of 1989, assuming that I make it to next month, the end of next month, I will have been 30 years sober. And, Congratulations. Uh, well, thank you. And when I say by the grace of God, I, I, I truly mean it. Uh, but... And the the reason that I mention that, and that's pertinent uh, in your from for, for the question that you asked me, is that I have been to thousands upon thousands of AA meetings um, uh, just through the years. Uh, it's just kind of they're my tribe. Uh, I enjoy them. Uh, I enjoy uh, you know working with newcomers, the whole nine yards, and so. But. When you go to a meeting that many times, you basically hear the same sorts of things over and over and over. And, and that's both, you know, good and it can kind of be a little bit routine, if you will. So by starting this podcast, it has kind of lit a fire under me again in a new way uh, with some new people that I have not been able to uh, touch uh, or, or I never would have run across, uh, if I had not had the podcast. And, you know, I thought that this was going to be people like me tuning in to the program. And there are people like me, when I say people like me, people that have been, you know, have, have extended, uh, sobriety, but what it really turns out to be what the pe the people who are most active in the community are the people who are just trying to get this thing a day at a time mm -hmm. and they're struggling 
and they don't know, you know, which way to turn next. And they're looking for answers and hope and inspiration. And as I say on the beginning of the podcast, my job is simple to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. So I want to try to get out of the way, give people a platform, let them talk. And when they share their experience, strength, and hope, hopefully the people listening in, the newcomers, and the people who are even struggling in sobriety uh, can gain some sort of nuggets out of that and gain some sort of uh, way to take action in their own lives. That's beautifully said. And and I think what's interesting about the fact that you've been in the, the program for so long, um, and maybe, maybe uh, the word that comes to mind is elder statesman. And it seems like it, it it's, I don't want to use the word too lightly, but it seems like a bit of a calling. The fact that you are in a position where you've had such experience and long-term experience with the program and been to so many meetings, it feels like you've were, were made to to create a, a podcast like this. Do you do you ever feel like I, I do? I you know I think all those years uh, were basically leading up to, and you know this is not the end all be all. I, I could be doing something else eventually, but all those years, it, you know, here's what I know. I may not be, I may not be the, the, the best looking guy out there. I may not be, uh, the smartest guy out there. Uh, there are a lot of talents that I don't have that other people have, but I know that, I know that I can either share the message of Alcoholics Anonymous either at group level or one-on-one. And if it's a podcast, I need it. And there are, there are people that are much more eloquent than me in Alcoholics Anonymous even. You know, people that they call circuit speakers that go out mm. there and they're, they're telling their story all across the nation. So there are a lot of people that know how to tell their story uh, and they know how to do things. But, you know, I, I, I hope that I can provide a, uh, a safe place, if you will, for these people to come in and to share their story and that they feel relaxed and they want to get their message out there and I can help them to do that. Can you talk a little bit, uh, if you're comfortable doing so, about where you were when you first joined the program almost 30 years ago? Yeah, sure. So, well, first of all, my, my sobriety date, as I said, is May 29th of 1989. But there was three years where I was in and out, in and out, in and out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew I was alcoholic. I knew I had a problem. And as I always say, man, AA will ruin your drinking. You know, you can't land and then you know that, uh, or at least I knew that I should not be drinking and I would go back out. And what, this is what would happen to me every time, Harry. I would always say in the back of my head, just one more night of fun and then mm-hmm. I'm going to start over tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Now that sounds, that sounds pretty clean, if you will, right? Just, hey, just one more night of fun and then I'll start over tomorrow. But it never, ever worked out that way. Usually I was three, four months back in, maybe a year. Um, I take geographical cures, which means I was moving all over the country to try to uh, just try to get away from it all and start over again. But unfortunately, I had to take me with me and the tiger would come out and I would start drinking again. And it says in the book, The Alcoholics Anonymous, it says, we alcoholics are men and women who have lost the ability to control our drinking. And at Mm. some point, 
I lost the ability to control my drinking and, uh, and it wasn't coming back. It's like they say, uh, you can't make a, uh, uh, cucumber, excuse me. You can't make a pickle out of a cucumber. Once you're, once you go to a pickle, you can't go back to a yeah, cucumber back, again. Yeah. yeah. And it, that, it seems to be that that's common, right? When, when I think when people first find the program that they, they, they realize that it's, it's something they need to try, but um, I don't know if, if there's a lot of folks that try it for the very, very, very first time. And then they're like, yeah, this is it for me. And I'm magically cured. I think the stories that I've heard in conversations with my friend as well is that, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's a back and forth struggle th those first couple of times and, and until you figure out, and maybe it's finding your why or, or having that, that last, uh, straw that broke the camel's back that eventually make you, make you make the final call. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's been tried to be figured out by so many people yeah, so imagine. many times. Uh, there's a lot of questions that are answered. Excuse me. There's a lot of questions that are asked and never answered. I don't know why, Harry, I was picked, picked up by the scruff of the neck by my higher power uh, and dropped into Alcoholics Anonymous, and I've not had to struggle with going back since 1989, because um, I know a lot of people do, and I'm no better, no worse than a lot of those folks. Just something happened in me, though, to where I was finally ready. And I mean, it does take a significant way of a change of life. You know, and I'm not, not to go into a real sob story, but I uh I grew up with a, a mother who was mentally ill. She mm -hmm. had true obsessive compulsive disorder. Uh, she had anorexia. She had a bulimia. She had schizophrenia. Uh, they locked her up. The judge deemed her both a danger to herself and to society. And it was just me and her uh, growing up. Um, and, and when I say just me and her, my parents got divorced when I was six and I was with her. She raised me as a single mom. And then, so you throw that on top of, uh, uh, that my, my, uh, alcoholic tendencies, um, anyway, and it was just the, the perfect storm. And, uh, I took off and I did a good, uh, 10, 12 years of drinking. And, uh, I started late, so to speak. I started when I was, uh, 16, 17. You know, a lot of people start even younger than that. And, uh, but I made up for lost time very quickly. And so when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, um, I, I was just looking for, you know, I, I, ne I never necessarily wanted to kill myself, but I definitely did not want to wake up when I went to sleep at night. Mm. I thought, I just don't want to wake up. Uh, I don't know how this is going to turn out the next day. This is driving me crazy. But, um, but I did. And, uh, fortunately, uh, I knew that I had a drinking problem. I knew I had a drinking problem long before I ever got to Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, but those folks, uh, they saved me. And, you know, you find people who are passionate, if you will, about AA. Uh, and the reason they are is because, you know, it saved their life. And I'm not saying AA, by the way, is the only way. Uh, there are other ways to get sober and God bless people if they can find it, you know, uh, whatever will keep them sober, you know, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous is behind it. I'm behind it. I don't speak for AA, by the way. I just, you know, I'm just, uh, but I am an example that AA works and, uh, mm -hmm. and that's why I'm sitting here talking to you today. 
Well, we're, we're thankful for that. What do you think it is about the program that's allowed it to survive so many years? I mean, it's this is if you think about all these, not that it, it should or you know people can decide on that later whether it should be lumped into other self help type programs. But what's fascinating about um, AA and the, and the twelve step program is is that it, it's it seems to have survived the test of time, and and there's some pretty good foundational principles that that I think have served the that community very well. Yeah, so um, you're right. Uh, it has been, it has lasted the test of time, and I mean the short answer from from my perspective at least is uh, the grace of God touched Bill Wilson. And Bob, Dr. Bob, the people who started this particular program and, and the, and the folks who were involved in writing the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous on the front end, and even writing the 12 traditions. There's something called 12 traditions within Alcoholics Anonymous. There's the 12 steps most people know of, but there's the 12 traditions. And the 12 traditions are, uh, I mean, it's part of the reason I'm using only my, First and first name and last initial on this, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it is the principle of anonymity. Uh, there, there are some. It's it's the fact that we are self-supporting, declining outside contributions. There are so many different traditions in there, and they wrote those traditions back in the 1950s to help the group survive. And you know, Alcoholics Anonymous is not the first group ever to be formed to help alcoholics. Mm. Uh, there was something called the Washingtonians back in the late 1800s, I believe. And the Washingtonians were doing great things, and they were making great strides. But then they got involved in some outside issues. They got involved in uh, uh, abolition and some other issues. And it's a good issue, right? It's, it's a great cause, but that was the end of the Washingtonians. Alcoholics Anonymous as a whole is not involved in any outside issues. We don't support or, uh, you know, have any comments on anything. You know, we're not involved in politics, right? We're just there to stay sober. We're just there to help the alcoholic. It says uh, our primary purpose is to help other alcoholics achieve sobriety, and that's what we do, right? Um we're we're not out to to save the world. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just to help alcoholics sober up. I know there's probably a, a dozens of answers you can give, uh, but what what would you say has been the most uh, impactful thing that has happened in your life as a result of being involved with Alcoholics Anonymous? So I look at my life in basically three ways. There were, uh, excuse me, three phases, and there's the phase that was there where I was. Uh, uh, before I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, there's the phase where I got sober and came to Alcoholics Anonymous and the first 10 years living that life. Uh, and then there's the phase that I am in now. And that is the phase to where um, I I have a wife now. I have a couple of kids. And, you know, as you can tell from my background and what I described earlier, nobody was tucking me in at night telling me everything was going to be okay. Mm. And, uh, I have a, uh, a beautiful wife, two great kids. Now, none of us are perfect, right? I mean, we, we all have our challenges. We're moody. We make bad decisions, all that sort of stuff. But, you know, I wanted to be able to provide a, a safe space, if you will, for our kids to grow up. They're 16 and 13 now. And, um, I, I never, ever had a family on my radar. Uh, I never, 
uh, it, it wasn't just something I was interested in. And as soon as I had that first baby girl of mine, I was like going, wow, why did I wait so long? Right. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. it's just been, it's been an amazing ride. And when I was dating my wife, you know, I said to her, no, I'm really not interested in getting married. And she took us to a counselor and she basically said after a year of going out, she goes, well, it's either me and at least one kid or we're going our separate ways. I'm like, come on now, we're having fun here, aren't we? You know, yeah. why do you got to be so uh, rude? And, uh, but she, but eventually I said, you know, I said, okay, I think I'm ready to do this. And we, we got married and we had our, our, our child and then we had a second child. And I just never, ever pictured myself as a, as a family man. Uh, but it's been, the greatest blessing that I've had uh, in my life, for sure. Do you think about the term legacy now that you now that you have your own kids? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, legacy. I'm not sure. I I, I do I, I do feel. You know, when I told you I used to go to bed at night and I would just I would not want to wake up the next mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that happened on really a, just such a consistent basis, and I can remember writing in my journal about how this is so dark. Why is it got to be so dark? And it was just all this uh, just black cloud around me. Well, when I go to bed at night now, um, I sleep soundly, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, I think you know. Here's what I think. I think if God checked me out tomorrow for whatever reason, or even today, maybe this is my last day on earth after this podcast, uh, <laughs> Harry, uh, but if he checked me out, um, I, I would be okay with it because I've lived yeah. the kind of life, you, you know, I, I had I had all the wild stuff that goes with being an alcoholic, just <laughs> so much of it, right? Um, but, but I also know that... Uh, um, I'm living the kind of life that I want to live and I really wouldn't change anything about my day-to-day process. Yeah, that's really inspiring. And I, and I think people, they sometimes take that stuff for granted, right? And the, the more stories that get told like this, I think people, I've, I feel honored to tell people stories because I think when people hear other people tell a story that resonates with them. And that's why I love to have so such a wide variety of people on the show because I know that your story is going to resonate with someone uh, specifically more than my last guest or my my next guest, um, and they're going to say, "Oh, that you know that one that one interview you had with John, man, it, it really hit home for me at just the right time." And so, I mean, I appreciate you like telling that, and and I think it's important what you've what you've done, and now that you know you're actually recording now. The other I, I, when I think about the word legacy is also that you're leaving a recorded history of, of you and yourself now for your children now. So I know there's services like archive.org that are supposed to record audio in perpetuity, but I mean, I, you'd be surprised how many people don't have their own parents on tape, you know, much less thinking about whether they should be re- recording stuff for their, their children to be listening to and to be appreciating when they're, when they're gone. Very good point. And I do want to go back real quick and uh, bring up, you, you asked me, you know, what has been most impactful for me? And I think that, you know, the first step in Alcoholics Anonymous, which a lot of people know is, you know, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives have become unmanageable. And that not only works for alcohol, but it works for all sorts of different afflictions, if you will. I think it was a combination of things. Number one was admitting to myself and to another person 
that I had a problem and I had never done that before mm. and actually facing up to it. And then the second part was really more about the 10th step of Alcoholics Anonymous. And in the 10th step, it talks about taking our own inventory. If there is one tool that I try to teach my kids and that I have really, really learned so much from, it's about looking at myself and my own part in these various situations, as opposed to looking out at you, 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 time after time, and saying, it's your fault. You're the reason I'm this way. Whether it's the government, whether it's another person, whether it's a uh, a spouse, whether it's a, a relative, whether it's a friend, whether it's a boss, whatever it is, as opposed to pointing my finger out at them, it's always best for me to say, okay, what is my part in this? What, where, what can I do different? Where am I selfish, dishonest, resentful, and afraid? How can I be different in this situation? And that's one of the most powerful tools I have ever learned. Whenever my kids get in something right, if they get in a squabble together or whatever, I say, whoa, 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 whoa. Look at your own part, you know? Don't look at your brother. Don't look at your mm. sister. Look and see what you could have done different. I promise you, if you keep looking at your sister or your brother's part of this, it'll, it will make you miserable. And not only will it work in this family, it'll work when you get out there in real life as well. So it's, it's just the ability to be honest with myself and quit blaming others for once in my life. That's, that's so valuable. And it's the type of advice that I could have every single guest repeat on every single episode of this show. And I still don't think it would be enough because I think people's ego gets get in the way. And I've been very guilty of it myself, where sometimes I just want to feel that I'm right, as opposed to understanding what it was you know we, there's, there's never a, it's, it's never black and white where it's 100 percent the other person's fault and so accepting responsibility for the role that you played or or the 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 actions that you've taken that have led to the point where it got to an argument um owning up to it i think is extremely important and and it's a lesson that i've had to learn recently a, a very hard way that has humbled me tremendously and it's something that i i, I don't take lightly yeah, and you're right. It's usually fairly complicated, and and you know, and a lot of times things like uh, uh, childhood issues will come up and such, where kids were involved, and 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 I know that there are true victims in this world, but ninety eight percent of what I get uh, uh, wound up about is me. And, and, and there's some part where I set the ball rolling and some part where I could have done something differently. And, and you're right. It never is somebody, uh, usually a hundred percent somebody else's fault, but I can only control what I can control about myself. I can't control that other person. And in fact, if I try to control them and try to figure them out more and more and more and more, It'll just drive me crazy. So that's where the freedom comes in. Yeah, very well said. Um, so switching gears a little bit back in, into the show, as you now are uh, thinking about, you're getting, you're approaching. You can you can safely say that you're approaching the hundred episode mark. What has you excited as you look to grow the show? Um, and anything you're going to be doing differently, or or anything you've got planned? 
Yeah. So, you know, I've been uh, thinking about, uh, you know, I see people doing these live events and such yeah. like that. And so far, I've just not had the energy to do. I, I wouldn't mind doing those things. Uh, I think I could bring in somebody who is a, uh, an AA speaker and have a live event here in my area and just mm-hmm. kind of do a Q&A with them yeah. and just kind of bring the community in. But, you know, I just have so much. It, it really comes down to time. I truly yeah. could do sober speak full time, but yeah. I don't have that advantage, right? It it is a it's an avocation for me, not a vocation. Um, and I'd like to do more where I bring in uh, uh, just uh, uh, guests from uh, around the nation if I possibly can. Um, and I've not gotten to that yet. So that's really the only thing. And I want to do a new intro eventually. And you know, something I struggle with, I, and you know, maybe you can, maybe we could talk about this real quick because I don't know. I, I've gotten tons of listener feedback, right? Between mm. people writing in. Mm-hmm. And uh, people on Instagram and people on Facebook. And I mean, I just get tons of it. So, and I've been putting most of that in the show lately. And I read it toward the end of the program now. That's great. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. So that's the question. I, I'm always thinking, and I haven't heard one way or another on it, but should I put all that listener feedback in there? Is that interesting for people? I think it is. But then I kind of struggle with that. I go back and forth. Have you, do you have any thoughts on that? No, I mean, I'm a big fan of incorporating any feedback you get at all, just because the people that are giving you feedback are the people who are listening to the show. And naturally, they like to, you know, it's the old back in the radio station days when you asked a disc jockey for, your, you know, that uh, that uh, Bon Jovi song and, and he plays it. And you're like, Harry from from Los Angeles has requested that. And you're like, he, he mentioned my name. Yes. And so, you know, I love when podcasters read out uh, reviews and, you know, John M says, I love podcast junkies. And then so I've tweeted Dave Jackson from School of Podcasting mentioned me one time. I got super excited. I said <laughs> I tweeted about it. And so I'm all for it. You know, mention the feedback that when the, you know it's a good chance they're gonna hear it. You're gonna make their day. Um it's it's really fun. You can make maybe make a promo out of it or something like that. But yeah, I'm all for sort of bringing it in and and again, it's your show. I mean, I've I've said this multiple times, and it's your show, your rules. And and if you want to try that out, a little segment. Um, a friend of mine, uh, Jennifer Briney, she was an early, early, early guest, and she hosts a show called Congressional Dish. Um, it's a fascinating topic. She actually reads the bills from Congress, and she tries to find all the places where they're like sneaking stuff in. I, I don't know of anyone else that does that and, and has a show about it. It takes her 20 hours of research to put together like uh, one show, um, and she does releases, I think, every couple of weeks. She's got a whole list of supporters. It's a fascinating um uh, model and I think now finally I think the show's been running probably six six years maybe six or seven years and she's gonna she's she was on uh, she was at Podfest um, this past March in in Orlando and she spoke and she's on track to hit six figures um, she's purely one hundred percent listener supported and she gets everything from every every sort of donation you can think of PayPal Stripe checks bitcoin <laughs> everything that you can think of and she reads all every single name at the end of the episode it's gotten so long now that she's had to now create an extra segment of a bonus episode where she reads the names but it used to take you know 15 20 30 minutes and she and she had made no qualms about it she said without them i don't have a show so 
I'm going to, this is the part of the show. And if you don't like it, you can stop now, but I'm going to start reading every single person's name. And so it's like, John M sent me a check for $226 and 29 cents. Harry sent me the, his monthly PayPal donation for $20. And so it's fascinating because, because of all the work she does, but what's the beauty of her approach. And she was talking about this at Podfest is that, um, let people know like the amount of work that goes into your show. And then they they can realize they they realize what a service. So she's doing a service to her listeners. They don't have to do those twenty hours of research because she's done it for them. So, you know, in your case, like you're going out and find these people and whatever time that 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 is for you in terms of research and and prep and and having the show and then promoting the show and and show notes or whatever it is else you're doing. You're like, hey guys, I'm bringing the service to you. I hope it's valuable. If you think it's helpful, you know, then I'd appreciate a donation and start with Patreon. You know, Patreon's a great way. Yeah, I do get, you know, and I put a little uh, um, mid-row, uh, whatever you call that. Uh, mid-row, mid yeah. Mid-row. Yeah. Uh, during the uh, the podcast itself. And uh, and I do, you know, I I get uh, PayPal uh, donations, you know, because we're self-supporting through our own contribution. Yeah. You know, I don't want to go through sponsors or anything like that. And so yeah. uh, I definitely get some donations. And, uh, you know, the listeners are, are very good about that. I think it, it was an. It's it's been a couple of years now. So she's been on a couple of other shows, but it might be helpful. I think a lot a lot of that is, is pretty re- relevant. But Jennifer Briney of uh, Congressional Dish. Can you spell her last name for me? Uh, Briney, B R I N E Y. Okay. So a couple of questions as we wrap up. What's been something you've changed your mind about recently? Wow. <laughs> you kind of threw me off there. Hold on just a second. <laughs> My brain is spinning circles here. Uh, what has been something I've changed my mind about recently? And it could be about any topic. It does has nothing to do. And it could be podcasting, life related food choices. <laughs> oh, it was. So uh, speaking of food choices, I recently became, when I say recently over the past year, I am now a vegan mm. and I never thought I would do anything like that. And I've actually very, very much enjoyed it. I didn't think I would really buy into it, so to speak. Uh, but I have, uh, uh, I've been, so it's been over a year now and I drew And at the same time, believe it or not, I gave up eating desserts. Wow. You know, Now I'll have something every once in a while, but yeah, I had eaten, uh, desserts after dinner for, you know, 25 plus years. You know, it's interesting when you're drinking alcohol, I, I didn't realize at this time, but I, I never, dr- I never ate any desserts, any sugar, because apparently the alcohol has got a lot of sugar in it. So you don't really crave oh, it. Yeah. But when I sobered up, all of a sudden I was eating cakes and pies and anything that even, you know, remotely resembled sugar. And so, so that, that went on for many, many years. I mean, I didn't, you know, like just didn't take it all day long, but I'd always have something after dinner. And so I eventually gave that up. That's, that's fascinating. Uh, being a vegan in Texas is, uh, in, is an interesting story in, in and of itself. <laughs> it almost sounds like a pod that could be your next podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, what's uh, the most misunderstood thing about you? Mm, that I see, I should have listened more to the end of your podcast recently because you've probably been doing <laughs> no, this. No, I like the fact that you I didn't like, know. That's even better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the most misunderstood thing about me, oh, I would say this, is that people believe 
uh, because of my uh, personality and even have a podcast and stuff like that, that I am uh, an extrovert. And in reality, I'm kind of right I'm right down the middle. Mm. I've taken these tests before. Um, I, uh, I can do okay in a crowd, uh, but I definitely need to pull back and have some alone time. It's, it's not something that, uh, there, there are some people, as you know, they, they just get tons of energy, yeah. uh, when they're around people all day long. And I get a little bit of energy, but eventually it just starts to wear me down. Yeah. You need some time to recharge. Mm-hmm. Well, John, this has been a really, really great conversation. I want to thank you for in- engaging uh, on Facebook. So we started the conversation. And, and I, I love the fact that I have a platform where I can just have conversations that if it were not for my podcast, like we potentially would never have ever met ever. Um, and I wouldn't know your story. And I wouldn't be able to tell your story to my audience. And so I'm, I'm just eternally grateful. And I just put a smile on my face. These hours that I spend with my guests are some of the best times of the day for me uh, to make new friends and, and to get stories told. So I'm truly appreciative for what it is you're doing for for the folks in your community, that you started a podcast, that you now are having the same impact on your community. And, and I want to thank you for that. Thank you, Harry. It's been a pleasure. What's the best place for folks to track you down and find out more about the show? Yeah, so uh, the website is uh, www.soberspeak, all one word, S-O-B-E-R-S-P-E-A-K.com. The Instagram is at soberspeak, all one word. And then if you send me an email to john, J-O-H-N, at soberspeak.com, we can get you into the uh, secret Facebook group. Thanks again, and have a fantastic week. God bless. Thanks again to John M. for coming on the show and giving us the story about the inspiration for how he started Sober Speak. I really enjoyed that conversation, and uh, he was really excited to come on, and I'm glad we were able to make that happen. Got some upcoming travel to Austin the second week of May for the Outlier Podcast Festival that's put on by Ever Gonzalez. So if you're going to be in the Austin area, around the 12th to the 24th of May, we're going to be there. And it's going to be a lot of fun and I'm looking to check out the city as well. So if you're in town, I'd love to for you to reach out or come by the festival. That'll be a lot of fun. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. Don't forget to check out our episode sponsor, Focusrite, and their awesome line of gear, specifically the Scarlet 2i2, which is my favorite. Tune in next week for my conversation with Kyla Carnero, who I met at Podcast Movement two years ago. If you made it this far, you're no doubt waiting for the retention hashtag we're going to go with hashtag aa john and you can tag john at sober underscore speak and us at podcast underscore junkies oh interesting we're both underscores thanks for all you to support the show i will talk to you next week